Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Or is there going to be a new virus variation? With all the uncertainties and design of the new normal? We've all been in survival mode for the past year, dissociating to forget realities and overworking to kill boredom. We are no fortune tellers, but things seem to be looking better now. And this includes the job market. I'm Wancha Habibiaza. And I'm Saina Serchin, and this is My, My Career, Career in, in Lockdown. Lockdown. Hi, Katie. It's wonderful to have you back on the podcast after a year. Would you please introduce yourself to our listeners who are new to the podcast? Hi, so my name's Katie. Um, I came on the podcast, it was a year ago now, I can't believe it's been a year already, as I founded a platform called The Graduate Club, which was just to support new graduates and to support myself, really, after graduating from Cardiff University. So what have you been up to recently? Could you tell us more about the social media design and marketing roles you have currently? So I recently passed on the Graduate Club to a new editor. I kind of felt like, in a way, it, it, want, it needed to work a little bit like student media does at universities, where every year it kind of stays fresh and up to date with relevant issues, because obviously even in the year that since I've graduated, I've got two different jobs now. I do kind of social media and marketing for um, two different companies. Um, I just split my time 50-50 between them. I already felt a little bit out of touch with kind of the problems that graduates were facing this year because I wasn't going through it again. Yeah, it's been nice to hand it on, but it's also been really nice to kind of see it grow and, and build the community over the last year in, and help me get a job from that. What was the story of Graduate Club? Obviously, last year, the pandemic had just started. I didn't really know what to do with myself. I just graduated at home. It was all a bit anticlimactic. And I was just feeling a bit lost. I was applying for loads of jobs. I wasn't hearing back. Um, and it was really disheartening. And when I was at university, I was editor of Cardiff Student Magazine. And I just missed having that kind of passion project where you have something to do passionate about something creative where I could kind of put all that energy so I decided to create the graduate club and just share a few posts about how I was feeling in the hope that perhaps other people were struggling as well and then I kind of realized oh there's actually a, a massive need for this there's so many people that are responding so many people are struggling and it kind of spiraled and grew from there. And this is something we touch upon with everyone in this podcast, but how have you found the experience of working during the pandemic? Has it been positive or negative for you? It's quite a hard one to answer, to be honest, because obviously I've never really experienced working full time without there being the pandemic. So I think it's all I've ever really known now. Definitely in the last few months, it's been not difficult, but weird to transition back into kind of working and having a social life. I still work from home. I do really like the benefits of working from home. I originally moved up to Manchester um, when I just started the graduate club and when I just started my new jobs and it just was such bad timing. And luckily because of working from home, I could move back to Devon where I'm from and carry on doing the jobs that I enjoy. So yeah, I think there's definitely been some benefits about working from home. I mean, obviously the pandemic hasn't been easy and not been nice for anyone. About jobs, what tips do you have for students who want to make their application stand out? Obviously, I can only speak from what my personal experience, but um, like I said, I was really struggling 
to even get any responses. There was just such a, a massive influx of graduates at that time looking for jobs. And I just knew that I needed to do something to even get my name out of the pile because to be fair on recruiters, how are they supposed to go through hundreds and hundreds of applications? It's, it's just not realistic. So what I did for the job that I am currently in is I sent a follow-up email after applying. So I applied through Indeed. And because they were a slightly smaller company, it wasn't like a big chain brand or anything like that. It was kind of an independent business. I thought I'm going to reach out to them personally. And as it was a social media role, I just made a really basic document, one page, of just some ideas that I had, just stuff that you couldn't normally include in a CV and cover letter. And it was literally just a one page InDesign document, just talking about their social strategy and how I thought they could improve. And I kind of designed it to look nice. And I just thought, at least now, my name will hopefully be stuck in their head because they'll get that in their inbox. And it kind of helps push me to the top of the pile. So I think, obviously, you don't want to go out of your way and do loads of free work for somebody when it when it might not go somewhere but just following up um, and making sure your name kind of sticks in the head of the employers is definitely well that's what worked for me so I think that's a good way to kind of get around the job market at the minute. I, I, I like that I like the idea that you followed up and that's how you got the job that you got it's like the extra mile. Um, the next thing we were kind of curious about was your role as editor-in-chief how do you think that kind of made you stand out? I definitely learned so much from student media. I mean, I cannot praise it enough. My university experience probably would have been rubbish without it. I mean, it's where I met all my friends and I learned so many new skills. I think Quench really did kind of help me push the bar up a little bit when it came to like my CV and things like that. Um, just even like organization and time management skills they are so transferable and it just comes in so relevant to any job application. I mean, in September, I'm actually starting uh, my PGCE. So I'm going back to Exeter University and I'm gonna get my teaching qualification. And all I literally spoke about in my um, application was just quench, 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 because you can talk about time management, leadership skills, meeting deadlines, creative skills. It's, it's just so valuable and I, I really can't praise it enough. I don't know where I would be without it, just having that kind of outlet to express yourself. Thank you so much. That's like the end of our questions. Thank you so much for this short uh, interview. It's been a pleasure knowing you. Honestly, we, we admire everything you've done with the Graduate Club and yeah, just quench in general. Thank you so much. That's so kind. <laughs> Welcome to the episode, Elena. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Can you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, so my name is Elena and I'm a final year music student at Cardiff Uni. So in this episode, uh, we will be talking about making your application stand out. So do you have any tips or tricks that you personally use in order to make yourself stand out to employers? Applying for jobs and setting up your CV is such a difficult process. I've been working on my CV for years and I still feel like I haven't quite got the right format. But um, some stuff that I use is just making sure that you big yourself up, you hype yourself up. I think so many people are humble and they want to play down the experiences that they've had and the volunteering or things like that, that they've done. And people are like, oh, I don't want to brag about it. But you should, you should brag about it in your application and in your CV. This is what people want to see they want you to see that you're confident in your experiences and that you, you what you took from it as well 
and one other thing that I've had to get used to doing that I was never very good at but is using those like buzzwords that people look for being able to put in there like I did this but use all those big words <laughs> some people are a little bit afraid of like I led this and I facilitated this and all these big buzzwords that employers look for that's something that I really had to get used to doing as a music student, how did you find the effects, the effects of the pandemic on your course? It was really difficult. I mean, music is such a practical subject and so many of our assessments in music are based on us being in ensembles and orchestras or we have assessments that are based on concert reviews. So we have to go and see professionals playing in concerts and then we have to review it. And not only were our concerts cancelled, but all concerts were cancelled. So everything changed. And I've spoken to first year students and they were like, yeah, we haven't, we didn't come onto campus at all until second semester. And it's so different from the experience that I had in first year. People really had to just modify what they were doing. And I think sometimes music gets a little bit forgotten as like a practical subject. I think sometimes when people think practical, they think of something like, Biosciences, where you have to be in a lab and do lab reports and things like that. And of course, that is practical as well. But so many people take music because of those practical experiences, like being in an orchestra and a choir and having that community that's so integral in music. And we just didn't have that as much this year. And that was really difficult. Throughout your course, have you personally found any work experience in the field that you are interested in? Yeah, so I got really lucky. I think a lot of people don't quite know what they want to do after university while they're doing their degree and that's fine. I got really lucky though and I knew that I wanted to go into teaching. I wanted to be a music teacher in a secondary school and I, I'm not sure if every academic school has this but we have it in music where we have careers talks every other Tuesday and I got really lucky that in first year the first careers talk that we had for that academic year was one on teaching and I was like this is it, this is perfect. So I went to this careers talk and I met with Amy Campbell, who does the Classroom Experience Project, and I got to listen to her talk about what they do on the scheme, and I signed up to that. So in my first year of uni, I spent one day a week in a local secondary school going into their music lessons and helping out as like a teaching assistant, which was amazing. So I got really lucky that I got to do that in the field of music and in education, just to have both of those things that I'm so passionate about just all in one. How did you use your, your experience as a student mentor and other experiences for your job application to stand out? I've been a student mentor for two years and for the second year of that I was also lead mentor consultant for the School of Music um, and being able to talk about those is it's just something that you have to get used to. I think a lot of people like I said they play it down and they're like oh I, I just ran meetings then I chatted to people and yes you did do that and that's really important but you also did so many other things and you gained so many other skills the training sessions that I had to go through to be a mentor and to be a mental consultant to make sure that I had like all the proper training in case someone had real issues and I needed to signpost them that's important for when I go into a school because I'm going to need to know all these things and privacy and GDPR and all of that I'm going to need to know that as a teacher being able to lead a group of students and stand up in front of a group of first years who are in their first week of university and say to them you know what I was there and I understand that and I'm here to help you I'm going to need to do that as a teacher I'm going to be in front of a classroom of people so being able to look at what I did as a mentor and a mental consultant and say actually even though this wasn't in a classroom setting this is directly transferable to what I want to do this is something that directly influences it 
and being able to talk about it in that sense in an application form is something that I really had to get used to but can be so beneficial and employers like to see you talking about that sort of like cross-referencing your experience I did this so I'll be good at this and it's something that I had to put in my application for this internship with academic study skills being able to say okay I've never been an intern before but I did this in mentoring and I gained all of these skills and I know that I'll be good at this internship because of that. To keep in mind those students who haven't, who might have not gotten as much experience, what are your like words of advice and just words of comfort you would give to fellow graduates who haven't had much experience, but they still need to stand out in their applications? Yeah, I think that's so tricky. And I also think that, you know, I've definitely done some amazing things in uni and I've gotten experience, but I still feel like I haven't. I can still compare myself to other people and be like, oh, no, I haven't done enough things everyone feels like that and that's something that I would try and take comfort from everyone's always going to feel like you haven't done enough it's about taking what you have done and just talking about it in the most confident way you can really like being your own hype woman or hype man or hype person so for something like music for example for our subject people you don't have to have been a conductor for an ensemble or being on the music society committee if you've participated in those ensembles you've gained group working skills, team working skills, you've been improving your communication skills. And if those ensembles have been rehearsing online, you've been improving all your technology skills. And it's about like picking apart everything you've done and being like, okay, how can I talk about this in a way that makes it sound like I actually did something and I didn't just turn up to rehearsals once a week because it is something. And it's just that you don't all, you almost don't realize it while it's happening. If you've got to manage 10 rehearsals a week you've got good time management skills and you're good at organizing yourself and keeping yourself on track so you whoever you are and however many experiences you might may or may not have you've done stuff that will look good on an application it's being able to take what you've done and dissect it so that you can put it in that format that looks good on a cv Thank you so much for this amazing chat. It was very short, but honestly, I feel like we got to cover quite a bit and got to know you quite a bit. So thank you so much for your time. Got any questions or suggestions? You can send us an email at careers.cardiff.ac.uk. In this episode, to further discuss ideas to make your application stand out, we are so glad to welcome Kath. Over time, she has given us so many valuable advices, but we can't wait to uncover even more. <laughs> Hi, girls. Nice to be back. And we are at Geomex, School of Journalism, Media and Culture of Cardiff University. I know. How exciting. Yeah. A real place and I can really see you. Mm-hmm. This is like the first time I've done it live. So not live, but it, you, In know, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really excited. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. What are the points a student needs to consider when writing a first draft for their CV or a cover letter? When it comes to a CV, you need to to be thinking about who's the reader? What do they want to read? What do they want to see? What are they hoping for in that letter or that CV? So you need to look at the job description and that will say we are looking for a candidate who has A, B, C and D. 
and it's no good your CV being fantastic and beautiful if what you've told them is E, F, J and H. Hey, oh, I'm not very good at the alphabet, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> the other part of the alphabet. What you need to do is think, okay, these are the things that they want and I need to make sure that I'm delivering that. Sometimes it can be really tempting to think, I've done my CV, it's fine, I'm just going to send it as it is. I've worked really hard on it and I'm popping it, you know, I'm popping it in the email and off it goes. We have to be really careful to think that a lot of employers have a huge amount of applicants and so they will tell us that they do use systems that they run the CV through and that will use AI and it'll be picking up on particular words and if your CV doesn't have those words it could get put aside into the no pile even though you'd be a perfect candidate and maybe they if they are asking for teamwork, resilience, and, you know, using your initiative, then I might not use exactly those words, but I will definitely cover those particular skills and I will show them how I've had those skills in the past. Because, you, you know, most employers ask for skills that are very much skills that you ha would have from your degree, you know, from um, your stage of life. They often don't ask for things that are not realistic, but sometimes we just miss them out and we just forget to put them down. Last year, I remember you said a cover letter should be like a love letter. Yeah, I did. Can you give us some tips to make the application stand out? I don't know why I said that last year, but <laughs> um, I still stand by it, though. I do think it's true that, you know, if you receive a cover letter and it feels like this is the same letter that has been sent to 50 other people. You just don't, as an employer, you know, you wouldn't necessarily feel particularly special. You wouldn't feel that somebody's made a big effort for you. So like a love letter, you want somebody to particularly know you and what you're about. So a cover letter really needs to be, I mean, it needs to be succinct. So we don't want you to be rambling or going on. You know, sometimes a student will bring a cover letter and we'll look at it together and we'll think, actually, there's quite a few sentences there you didn't need to say you've repeated yourself you know you've already said you're really keen on something now you're saying it again in the second paragraph let's try and be really professional as concise as we can be but still fill that one side of a4 you know still have quite a few paragraphs that really say to the employer I'm really interested in you and what you do. So a little paragraph about what the employer, uh, why the employer, sorry, appeals to you and what you know about them. Nothing that's obvious, everybody will say that. Then it gets a little bit boring, you know. So if you were applying to a bank and you said that, you know, you knew how many branches they had and how they had a global presence, well, so have the other banks. And it's nothing particular. Look at their website, but also talk to people if you can. You know, come to our employer events, reach out to employees and network with them. Find out what you can, even if it's on their own website, it might be something about their values, their attitudes, maybe their training scheme, and talk about that. So have a paragraph that tells the employer why I'm interested in you. And then why I'm interested in the role, that's really important that you say something about what has really appealed to you about that particular position. And then the bulk of your letter is really why you're a perfect match for them and why they should employ you. And you should make it personable. You should make it that it's not full of jargon or words that you wouldn't normally use. I will always tend to say to the student let's let's read it together. You know, I'm going to read it out loud and let's see what we think. And sometimes you can tell straight away that you know, you can tell when you think you wouldn't really say that sentence, would you? You know, that's not a word you'd use normally. Use really good language. Use really professional language. You know, have 
brilliant grammar, perfect spelling, but also just speak quite naturally um, and have it so that it's a sentence that makes sense to you and that you would naturally say if you met that person. Don't be afraid of getting support. And it, it doesn't just have to be your careers advisor, although obviously we absolutely love meeting students and that's our job. And we're here for you all through the summer, all year round, for you to come to us and say, please, can you look at my CV or my cover letter with me? But also, you know, your family, your friends, you know, the people that you trust in life. It could be your aunties or anybody, but just be brave enough to say, can you read this letter? What do you think of it? Because sometimes we become quite blind to mistakes that we've made or things that we've said that actually maybe don't quite make sense. You know, it is, it is a bit of a love letter. What are some mistakes that students would make, graduates or students would make when applying? I know it sounds pedantic, but actually it is important that there should be no spelling mistakes whatsoever and grammar should be perfect. One of the top tips I'd say, girls, is, is just look out for um, headings. That's where I see most of spelling mistakes. If you put something in capitals, word doesn't seem to pick it up. So spelling mistakes, I do see those uh, often. <laughs> Another mistake that can happen is, you know, like often you cut and paste. So you'll think, well, I'm applying for quite a similar job in two different places. I'm just going to cut and paste what I've written before under this cover letter. But sadly, a lot of students, well, not a lot, but sometimes a student will leave that the wrong place in there. So you'll read it and you'll say, oh, this is for BBC, but I thought you were sending it to S4C. And oh, no, that's a huge mistake. So that can happen as well, that we cut and paste things that are wrong. I suppose other things is not using the word count effectively or not using your space effectively. So let's say on a cover letter, for example, a very short cover letter can just give that suggestion that I can't be bothered, I haven't got much to say, and actually all I want to do is just send this in the post or, you know, online, obviously, um, as quick as possible. That is a mistake to not fill the space that you've been given. I'd be saying be really careful with using what you're given. I suppose another thing as well is just making sure that you are answering the question. So sometimes the question might say, tell us a time that you have used excellent team working skills uh, and what you've learned from that. And sometimes you might find that a student answers the first part of the response. So they say a teamwork example, but they haven't then reflected on what they've learned from it and what they would bring to this role. Just read the question carefully. And I think that's sometimes a mistake as well. And I suppose one of the last things that we sometimes see is using examples or having things on the CV that are actually now a little bit dated. So it might be something that you did back in the sixth form or even before sixth form, you know, when you were doing your GCSEs or equivalent and you've put a lot of information about that on your CV. And I think sometimes the employers would say, we'd love to hear, you know, what about your student role that you had this year or that volunteering that you did or that project that you did that you really got your teeth into and loved. You know, there are more relevant, up-to-date things that you could have. Since the pandemic, how have you changed any of your advice on filling in the application? What has changed because of the pandemic? Mm, that's a good question. What's changed massively is the rise of video interviews and video assessment centres. The recruitment processes have changed. There are a lot of people who are quite surprised by the 
quite creative things that employers ask them to do. So a student told me just last week that they had to submit a 60 second video of why they were suitable for the role. My advice to them was, well, have a bit of fun with it, you know, maybe hold up some props from your course, tell them what you've been learning, you know, have things, show that you're really good at communicating, show them that you can be really personable in a very short space of time. Because it would be so easy just to sort of put the camera in front of you, do 60 seconds of talking but imagine if somebody else comes along and 10 seconds are in their garden and they're saying this is where I live and I you know I'm, I'm an outdoor person and then maybe the next 20 seconds are what I've been studying for the last year was this subject and this is the sort of thing I've been doing you know and hold up some things you can imagine the employee is going to enjoy watching that video. How are some creative ways that students could reach out to these employers? I was listening to the podcast and Chloe had mentioned, hadn't she, um, making a website yeah. which the employer had looked at. These things are really important for some industries that you can, you know, you can put things on your CV like things that can be scanned so that it will take you directly into the blog that I've been writing, which will show you a little bit more about my interest, Stevie. So there are definitely huge, you know, variations in whatever industry you're going for and what is the norm and what's sort of seen as a good thing. Being creative, having a Twitter account, definitely being really active on LinkedIn. I think that that works for everybody. It doesn't matter what discipline you come from to show that you are commercially aware that you're following organizations that are really linked to what sort of industry you want to go into, that you like posts, that you maybe comment on posts, so that if somebody does go onto your LinkedIn profile, which definitely should be on the top of your CV, by the way, uh, if you're on LinkedIn, and I would 100% recommend that all students use LinkedIn, even if it's just at the very beginning of your career and then later on maybe you don't use it. It's a huge jobs board for a start, so really you should be using LinkedIn. For a lot of people, a CV is just black and white and it's very straight, but for other industries and for other students, they have to think about being quite creative in the way that they approach an employer and the information that they put out about themselves. How can, in the situation that we have, a student get work experience? For some students, there is still work experience available and you know virtual online work experience has definitely been happening and I know as a work experience department we've got lots of vacancies that are open at the minute and I would certainly encourage students to, to have a look at them. Students who maybe want to do very practical things and maybe they really needed very specific work experience and they're concerned now that I haven't got that. Um, I would just encourage you just not to be overly concerned or worried because when you're applying for jobs, you know, employers have also lived through this pandemic and they see the news every day and they know exactly what's going on as much as you do. They might not feel it in the same way, but they know of what's happening. I think there will be a lot of leeway where employers will say, of course, you've got that gap on your CV when you didn't have the practical work experience. You didn't do all those things that maybe we would have liked because you couldn't because people were saying, don't leave your house, wear a mask don't touch anything, don't come into our buildings. So of course you couldn't do those things. So please, I don't want people to be overly worried or concerned thinking I'm left behind because everybody has also been left behind in that same way. But just think about being as creative as you can be and open to, well, what else can I do then? I have to stay in maybe isolating or I've, I've had to be really careful what, where I've gone. Opportunities haven't been open to me. So what can I do instead? What's in my power? And um, online learning, 
Um, it might be something really different. You know, I'm not suggesting you do the same thing that you've been learning in university the last, you know, three or four years. Maybe something very different, but it might give you some insight into something. So let's say, for example, there's a huge need now for coders, for people with programming skills. You might not have done anything like that on your course, but you might think, let me just have a little look at a free course or it might be something like how to deliver a pitch or how to be more confident in yourself and you might think I'm quite shy and I haven't had this opportunity to have work experience I was going to be a waitress for six months during my last year of university and get some money and I couldn't because the restaurants were closed and now I think I'm becoming more shy well can you do an online course that talks about how to be more confident in yourself and also if you haven't been able to get work experience one of the good things about work experience is you know you network you meet people you make contacts well are there other ways you could make contacts you know could you go onto LinkedIn and look up your alumni and say I can see that you are now working at such and such uh, institution or employer I would love to work with them. Uh, you know, I haven't been able to get work experience in the last year, but I was just wondering, would it be possible maybe to meet you online for 10 minutes just to talk about, you know, your job and what you do? We call those informational interviews. You arrange to meet with somebody and you're going to talk about their job. You're not going to ask them for a job. You're not going to ask them for anything. You just want a conversation. And you might have a little bit of a sort of script. You might have five or six questions you're going to ask them, but you've arranged to meet and have this chat about the, their job and how they got into it. And lots of people you know will really learn a lot from that so when you're making applications in that space where it says tell us what experience you've got you know you might have to be honest and say I wasn't able to get work experience in this field but these are the things I've done instead I've been on LinkedIn learning or Coursera or edX or Udemy you know there's so many online courses you can do free and I did a couple of courses and you know you're going to name them I've also spoken to people in the industry and I've learned an awful lot about what's going on I've also been reading journals or magazines or subscriptions or anything that show I've been keeping an eye on the industry I'm really commercially aware but I couldn't actually get the proper experience, but I've done everything I can from my confines of what was available to me. Don't be too despondent. Don't beat yourself up, you know, and or worry about it. Uh, be creative and think about what you can do instead. So speak to people. It is always a pleasure to have you on oh, the podcast. Thank I will you. catch on with you very, very soon. Brilliant. It's lovely to be thank here you. in the natural <laughs> building. I love Joe Max. Yeah. <laughs>